Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. Are you a business owner looking for help with HR benefits and payroll? MWG Employer Services offers a wide range of services and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. I was so overwhelmed with HR stuff. MWG Employer Services took all the stress out of it and even set up my payroll. I couldn't be happier. MWG Employer Services is here to help you succeed. Call us today at 601-206-7966 or go to mwgemployerservices.com. You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. We now have a 12-team college football playoff. Does it affect this season? It doesn't affect next season. But the following year, a 12-team playoff will go into effect. And, oh, my goodness, how it will change the way we cover the game, the way we look at games throughout the season, the way teams right here in the state of Mississippi approach each year. Because it's not a you lose a game and you're done. It keeps you involved. It keeps you with a chance. And you go into a season knowing that you don't have to be perfect. you got to be really, really good, but you don't have to be perfect to ultimately be part of the playoff at the end of the year. Good Thursday afternoon, and welcome to Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV, and of course on your Supertalk Mississippi radio stations. We're coming to you from the Pearl River Resort Studios. Pearl River Resort is the home of the sports book at the Golden Moon Casino. If you want to be a part of the conversation, you can join us on the Ceasefire text line, 601-879-4395. Want to give your business the edge? Get gigabit fiber internet from Ceasefire Business, backed by world-class IT professionals who live where you do, right here in Ceasefire country. Check them out online at ceasefire.com slash business. It became official last night. The Rose Bowl finally signed off on it, knowing that they had no other option if they wanted to be part of the postseason fabric of the future. And so they signed off, and all of the conferences and all of the six access bowls are in lockstep. We will have a 12-team college football playoff season after next. Yay! Oh, yeah. I can't wait. And it's been outlined a lot you know, why this is beneficial financially, stuff like that. I've been thinking about this today from the fan perspective. For for you, the listener out there, and loop Southern Miss into this as well. Uh, Can't forget to loop Southern Miss into this as well. Um, Can't can't forget that. (laughs) There is college football fans everywhere that no matter what will go to their games and support their team regardless by the thousands in this state and elsewhere, despite there being a feeling of what's the point. And here's what I mean by that. After Ole Miss lost to Alabama, where they had a chance on the final play, couldn't score, lost the game, 
They didn't play another meaningful game afterwards. I'm talking about postseason implicated. Mm-hmm. The Egg Bowl matters. I'm not being that guy. The Egg Bowl matters. But in terms of postseason implications, the Alabama loss ended it for Ole Miss. And there are years, seasons, where you're going into it hoping your team is good, but at the end of the day, there's a feeling of what's the point? Because we, the collective, we can't win anything. It's a 14 playoff. Access is very exclusive to a very small percentage of teams. Once my team loses a game or two, season's kind of over. It feels like it doesn't matter as much. This will change the dynamic of your fanhood, I think. Because that idea of, what's the point? We're not LSU. What's the point? We're not Alabama. What's the point? We lost a second game. That goes away. Even after the Alabama loss this year, Ole Miss still in a 12-team playoff would have been playing meaningful postseason playoff-implicated games. Keeping fans engaged longer. Making Mm -hmm. your team, your season, matter more to you, the fan. Because I can't tell you the number of college football fans I talk to that after a loss or two happens, it's over. It it feels helpless. You love your team. You support your team. But you go to a game, and it's like, yeah, you know, I hope we win, but whatever. Playing for the Citrus Bowl. Awesome. Instead, it's playing for a shot at the playoff. Awesome. It's a different deal. It changes fanhood as well, on top of everything else. And hey, Dad, when you look at it from the perspective of... Hey, Porky was talking about Ole Miss just a second ago. You look at the perspective from Mississippi State, maybe not this year, but you've talked so much about next year as a Mm -hmm. year with, with possibility. Mississippi State has really focused on... What, some guys that are are kind of fringe draft guys that in a lot of years might test the draft waters are coming back to Mississippi State, especially on the defensive side of the ball this year. I think we can connect the dots and say that the Bulldog Initiative, Initiative or Collective? Bulldog Initiative, right? Initiative. Yeah. The Bulldog Initiative, at least to this point, has focused a lot of its efforts on getting... Pookie Watson to come back on getting Jaden Crumedy to come back. And so it's about playing for right now. It's not so much, and that's where we are in college football, right? I mean, it's about playing for right now. It's not so much about building for three years from now. Yeah, I mean, when you have the portal and you can put together a a fresh team and a good team every year, no matter what you lose, when you can go out and get college-ready, SEC-ready players, Every season, yeah, that's how you kind of have to look at things. And uh, you're right. I mean, we've been saying it all along. You know, for an Alabama, for a Georgia, this isn't news, right? They're just like, it's just business as usual. Mm-hmm. But for fans in this state, now your team, year in and year out, should be in the mix most years to be a playoff team. And that's exciting. And, and you know, state is an 11 seed. Ole Miss is a 10 seed. One year, are they probably going to win the national title? No, but they're in the they're in the the game. You know, they they get in the game, and that makes it exciting. I mean, everybody who's a naysayer of this, I know. For example, I'm not picking on you, buddy, but Chase and Columbus, he's a big naysayer on this one, right? But don't act like when number eight Mississippi State hosts number nine Washington 
2024-2025 at Davis Wade Stadium, you're not going to be there with a cowbell in your hand going absolutely crazy. You're going to be. And so that sounds incredible. it's going to provide a lot. I mean, yeah. Tell me that doesn't sound awesome. You know, tell me that doesn't sound, if you're an Ole Miss fan, me telling you number seven Ole Miss hosting number 10, uh, you know, Baylor. Sorry for the sugar bowl, but just Penn State. In my head. Penn State and, and Vaudemoy Stadium. I mean, my God, there'll be 500,000 people in Oxford and another 60,000 in, in the stadium. This is what we want. This is exciting. Since we don't have all the conference champions yet this year, we've got conference champion weekend coming up. Let's look back at last year. All right, so Alabama beat Georgia in the SEC championship game. So Alabama, because remember, top six conference champions, top six ranked conference champions regardless of league, and then the next six highest ranked teams. Alabama won the SEC. They would have been in. Michigan was the Big Ten champion. They would have been in. Cincinnati was the American champion, and they were ranked fourth, so they would have been in. Baylor was the Big 12 champion. They would have been automatically in. Utah was the Pac-12 champion. They would have been in. And Pittsburgh would have been in as the ACC champion. So those six would have been automatics. After that, you would have had Georgia as an at-large, Notre Dame as an at-large, Ohio State as an at-large, Ole Miss Oklahoma State, and Michigan State. Those would have been the 12 teams in the playoff. And then based on seeding, now the only only conference champions can get that first round by where they go to the quarterfinals. So your four conference champions that would have gotten first round buys would have been Alabama, Michigan, Cincinnati, and Baylor. Am I looking that correctly? So Alabama from the SEC, Michigan from the Big Ten. Georgia wasn't a conference champion, so they can't get a bye. Cincinnati was an American Mm -hmm. conference champion, so they would get a first-round bye. Notre Dame is not eligible because they're independent. They're not a conference champion. Ohio State was not a champion. Baylor would have been the fourth-highest-ranked conference champion. So those four teams would have gotten byes. And then you would have had Georgia at number five, Notre Dame at number six, Ohio State as the seven seed, and Ole Miss as the eight seed. So those are the four teams that would have hosted games on their campus. Ole Miss last year would have hosted a college football playoff game at Vaught-Hemingway Stadium. Against two. So who would have been the nine? Uh, I think it would have been Oklahoma State. Yeah, sign me up. I, I mean, come on. So you would have I'm, had I'm Ole Miss, Oklahoma State. No, 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 is that right? If they were numbered, they weren't a conference champion. So yes. Uh, well, it wouldn't have mattered who the the yeah they they weren't a conference. So so that would be eight nine. The five twelve game would have been Georgia. Against Pittsburgh, can he the, pick it? Okay, the, the can he pick it? Doesn't opt out. Plays in that game. Yep, the six eleven game would have been Notre Dame against Utah. Ooh, Ooh. and the seven ten game would have been Ohio State against Michigan State. <laughs> These are great games. Yes. 
I've yes. got two stats for you, too, when you want to talk about access that are probably going to blow your mind. Sports Talk Mississippi. We'll be right back. You're number one for Sports Talk. Anyone? 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 Come on, don't be shy. Sports Talk Mississippi. Bingo, man, bingo. Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back. Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming at supertalk.fm. We just went through that exercise of what last year would have looked like. I want to have some fun here for just a second. We're going to go back to 2014 and see what the college football playoff postseason would have looked like in a 12-team playoff in 2014. That's what I'm looking at right now. But first, Michael Borky said he's got a couple of stats. Stat of the day number one. So the BCS started in 1998, right? Ready to feel old? I was six. Either way, the BCS started in 1998. If they went with this current format of a 12-team playoff starting in 1998, there are 11 Power 5 schools that would not have made the playoff at some point. Those are Boston College, Duke, Kentucky, Minnesota, NC State, Northwestern, Purdue, Rutgers, Syracuse, Vanderbilt, and Wake Forest. Everybody else in the Power Five would have had at least one playoff appearance had that been the case starting in 1998. Set of the day number two. It's a little bit longer, so bear with me, but here's every team that would have made the playoff Since 2014, so this is a nice transition into what 2014 would have looked like. In the Big Ten, Ohio State, Penn State, Wisconsin, Michigan, Michigan State, Iowa, and Indiana all would have made it. In the SEC, Alabama, Georgia, Florida, LSU, Auburn, Ole Miss, A&M, and Mississippi State. Only one appearance for Texas A&M. In the ACC, Clemson, Florida State, North Carolina, Miami, Pitt, and sort of Notre Dame. In the Big 12, Oklahoma, TCU, Baylor, Kansas State, Iowa State, Oklahoma State. In the Pac-12, Washington, USC, Utah, Oregon, Arizona State, Stanford, Colorado. Again, this is since 2014. In the AAC, UCF, Cincinnati, Memphis, and Houston. Obviously, Notre Dame is an independent. Boise State from the Mountain West, Western Michigan, and Coastal Carolina from the MAC and the Sun Belt, respectively. All of them would have made at least one appearance If this started in 2014, access for anybody in college football that has a season worthy of it. I think that I have figured out what uh, 2014 would have looked like. I'm interested to hear yours because I'm trying to figure it out too. Okay, so Alabama was the SEC champion and they would have been number one overall. Uh, Oregon was the Pac-12 champion. They would have been number two overall. Florida State was the ACC champion. They would have been number three. Ohio State would have been number four. You remember the Big 12 did not have a championship game in 2014, and that's why TCU was so upset because they were in the top four and then they got bumped all the way down to number six that year. Baylor ended up up as the highest-ranked team, so they would be the automatic qualifier from the Big 12. 
And then the next highest ranked conference champion was Boise State all the way down at number 20. So this is where some people would get, you know, get in their feelings and be like, you can't put the number 20. Yeah, you can. Okay. They're conf- the high, next highest they were ranked 11 conference and two. champion. They were 11 and two. So from a seeding standpoint, those four teams, Alabama, Oregon, Florida State, Ohio State, would all have first round buys. Your quarterfinal matchups, if I've done this right, Baylor would have been a five seed. And they would have hosted Boise State in the 5-12 game. That's what I have. TCU would have been the sixth seed, and they would have hosted Kansas State in a 6-11 game. Yes. Mississippi State would have been the seven seed and would have hosted Arizona in Starkville in the 7-10 game. And Michigan State mm-hmm. would have been the number eight seed, and they would have hosted Ole Miss in the 8-9 game in Ooh, East Lansing. Late December in if East that, Lansing, Michigan. If that is, if we did it correctly, that's what it should have been, yes. Georgia Tech would have been a team that was ranked in the top 12 that missed out on the playoff. They went 10-3 and that year. Remember, that's the Georgia Tech team that beat Mississippi State in the Orange Bowl. Sure did. But they would have been outside looking in on the playoff because Boise State would have jumped they would be the only team out of the top 12 that didn't make it because you had a conference champion from the the, the sixth highest ranked conference champion was Boise State who was outside the top 12. Oh. Oh, it'd be so much fun. Uh so let's say by some miracle Mississippi State is ranked 8th and you've got another team ranked ninth that hasn't been to a bowl game in several years, that team would come to Mississippi State to play a game, and if they lost, their bowl game would have been in Starkville. Playoffs are better than bowl. Oh, uh, Somebody says people don't care about bowl games, and this said the response was the fans do. I, I, I disagree with that. And, and look, I mean, there's been this debate. I mean, do you want to take teams that lose a quarterfinal game, a first-round game, and give them a bowl slot? I guess. The, the whole team would opt out. They're not doing that. I don't know if the whole team would top out, but but opt out. But yes, that seems very There's, there's hy- hyperbole in there, but no, no, no player worth anything would play in an after you've been eliminated from the playoffs bowl game. And, and look, at fans caring about a bowl game over a playoff game, I, I would be very interested to hear how that would shake out because playoffs are bigger just generally what would you rather do play in a playoff game or the music city bowl like you lose a trip to nashville i suppose but based on bowl game attendance across the country fans care less and less about them the access bowls have trouble getting people to go to them the yeah. Rose Bowl, Ohio State essentially told the Rose Bowl, don't pick us because we're not coming. Yeah. You know, there, there's some there, there's some things that still have to be sorted out, right? So these on-campus games, obviously it's a huge advantage for the team that is hosting to get to play in their home stadium in front of their home crowd. But those other four teams have earned their right into the playoff. And so just the standard visiting team gets 5,000 tickets. you got to adjust that, right? Do, do you have to say, like, 
20% of your stadium's capacity, you have to offer that number of tickets to the visiting team? So, so in the case, no, no, the, the team wouldn't necessarily take that. So, in the, in the case of Baylor hosting Boise State, Baylor Stadium seats 45,000 people. So, they would have to offer Boise State 9,000 tickets. In this scenario from 2014, TCU Stadium seats 43,000. They would have to offer K State 8,600 tickets. Mississippi State seats 6,000. They would have to offer Arizona 12,000 tickets. Michigan State well, seats... Well, that stadium has gotten small since the last time I was in it. Big-time renovation project. Downsizing. Where? We're joking. You said 6,000 6, instead 000. of 60. 60. I'm sorry. <laughs> 60,000 is what... Right, give or take. I'm, I'm being... Yeah, uh, sorry. He's thinking of Starville High. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so Mississippi State seats 60,000. They'd have to offer Arizona 12,000 tickets. I think, I'm doing this off the top of the head. I think Michigan State Stadium seats like 72,000 or 74,000. So they would have to offer Ole Miss 14,000 tickets. Maybe you just make it a flat number. Maybe you say visiting team is offered 10,000 tickets. You know, they don't have to accept them, obviously, but you have to make those available. Uh, anyway, I don't know. Yeah. I, I, that's getting off in the weeds, but I think you've got to make it an option for visiting t- fans to be able to travel beyond just here's the allotment of 3,500 tickets or whatever the number is. Right. Well, do you think double the standard? For the record. Would that be fair? Instead of 5,000 going to the that opponent? That number you... varies conference to conference. Yeah. I mean, I think you've got to make it uniform. That's why I went with a percentage. Just to, just to play it out a little further, if State and Ole Miss had won their first-round games, Ole Miss would have gotten a rematch with Alabama the next week in Tuscaloosa. State would have traveled to Oregon to take on no, the Heisman no, no, Trophy no, no. winner, Marcus Martin. No, see, that's where right? this changes. We're not going to quarterfinal games being on campus. We're going to bowl sites for quarterfinal oh, games. Oh, so, that's a shame. So I saw, yeah. I, I, you still get a rematch. Yeah. You still get a rematch with Alabama, though. Yeah. Correct me if I'm wrong. That's only the first Ooh. two years. Then they redo it, right? So it'll be bowl sites for the quarters for 24 and 25, and then they get to consider putting those on campus as well. I think that's how I interpreted earlier today that that's how it's going to be structured now, and two years into it, they have a negotiating window to change that structure since they're starting this early. And and my hope is that the on-campus games are such an unbelievable, overwhelming success that they're like, you know what, we need to do more of that. Yeah. Of course, and the, the Bulls may be like, you know, this is worth a lot of money to us. We're not giving up on those games. We'll see. Somebody asked on the text line, communities greatly benefit from bowl games. That's not going away. There would be three SEC teams in the playoff this year. The rest still have to go to bowl games. Well, in the... Yeah. I mean, Nashville would be fine without the Music City Bowl. Imagine what a playoff well, but that, game does but Ole Miss has still got to go to the Music City Bowl. There's still eight and four, seven and five teams that got to go to bowls. Yeah. Yeah. Sports Talk Mississippi with you. Having fun on this Thursday afternoon in the Pearl River Resort Studios. Talk Mississippi. Here we, here we go, go. Super Talk Mississippi. Come on, look pretty 
girls like you are taking, baby. I've been looking for someone like you. You know, there are a lot of weeks where we just kind of wonder, what, what is it exactly that Will East gets paid for? And then there's some weeks where the man absolutely earns his money. He's been up early all week long. He's been in, sitting in that chair that Michael Borky's sitting in. He even had to put up with me in the middle of the day one day this week. And now he is set and in the big chair ready to get us prepared for state championship football starting tomorrow. Three games tomorrow, three games more on Saturday. And, Will, we have got some good ones. Yeah, I'm going to tell you what, though. The games that we're going to have, I don't know if they can top the games that we had last week. Isn't that the truth? There were three games that could have been the game of the year last week. Okay. Uh, I think that Knoxby County Amory game might have been the most crazy thing I've ever seen happen on a football field. Knoxby County, this is in 3A, 3A North. Knoxby County was down 21 to nothing at the end of the first quarter. They came back. They were then down 14 points with four minutes to go in the fourth quarter. Forced overtime and a series of crazy plays. They end up winning the game uh, thanks to a two-point conversion in overtime over Amory and advanced to the 3A state championship. And, just, and high school overtime rules are far different from college, right? I mean, it, uh, unless this has changed, but it's the ball's at the 10-yard line. You got first and goal from the 10, play it. Yeah, until that possession. Yeah, ends. it's pretty. It's pretty much. Let's get this over with. The type deal, <laughs> and it makes it so much more fun. And you see a lot of. I'll be honest with you. You see a lot of three overtime games. It happens. Uh, but so anyway, uh, the games that we have for uh, Friday and Saturday, uh, just they're they're just stacked. There's one game where it's a little bit lopsided, but the rest of them Hold on a second, hold on a second. What were the other two candidates for game of the year that were North Half or State Half or South Half games? Well, that Tupelo Startville game was pretty incredible. I mean, this yeah. is the setup for it. You have Tupelo, a team that is undefeated. They've allowed 17 points at home the entire season. Yep. Okay? Startville scores 20 points in the first half of that game. Tupelo had beaten Startville a couple of weeks ago, and it was the closest game that that Tupelo had played up to that point. And Startville kind of snuck into the playoffs, and then they have to go on the road on this little revenge tour. They have to beat Clinton again, or, or have to beat them after getting beat by Clinton a few weeks before that. And then they have to go play Tupelo again, and they win the game. Trey Petty has this incredible game, and uh, it was back and forth. Startville was up, and then and Tupelo battles back, and you got these two massive teams, and, and it was just great. Then you had Brandon Startville. Uh, I'm sorry, Brandon uh, in Ocean Springs, yeah. and Brandon wins it on a you know last second field goal. Essentially, forces a fumble with like 36 seconds to go to get the ball back, and then march down the field. So it was just a great set of games last week, and and the the week the games that we have this week are incredibly fun. I would say that, like I said, I, I think we have one... Is that you or me? <laughs> that's Richard. I think Richard is, is, that's Richard is watching fashion videos again. Am I boring you so much that you're having to watch YouTube videos? <laughs> what are you talking about? There was some sort of sound playing. Oh, 
Yeah. Uh, maybe and, I'm going crazy. So I, I tested know. all the mics. I turned oh, Haydad off. I'm it wasn't sorry. Haydad. You know turned what? Will off. Wasn't Will. Turned you off. And there I, it goes. I understand, Richard. I understand. <laughs> no, I, know. I, I, had, had, I had Look, the when that man sees a sale at Peter Millar, he just can't resist. <laughs> Genteel. Genteel, buddy. Genteel. I'm just. He's looking wherever he can find deals. Uh, no, so I had the Max Prep site, and I forgot they have those stupid auto rolls. That uh, and I didn't even realize that that button was up. Sorry about that. Go ahead, carry on. Uh, so the games that we have starting in six A, you've got Startville taking on Brandon. Brandon the, um, was there in the championship game last year. They were obviously spent the majority of the season as the number one team in the land. Startville was a top three team, and then they had this you know, three game losing streak, and now they're back. Um, on a revenge tour, like I said, and this is a whale of a game. This is going to be the game where, if you like offense, this is going to be it because uh, Brandon's defense, they were good early in the season. I, I guess the competition has ramped up a lot, so they've been allowing a lot more points, but I think you're going to see a lot of points in this one, Startville and Brandon, and that game will be the nightcap on Saturday night. Typically, the 6A game is on Friday night at 7 p.m. They're changing up a little bit this year. So it will be on Saturday night, and then the game that I that I'm looking forward to most though is a it's a game that has everything going for it. It has every storyline going for it. It's a rematch. West Point seventh straight state championship <laughs> game appearance versus Picayune. This is a rematch from last year five A yeah. state championship game. Picayune, the defending five A state champ, undefeated. The two teams are mirrors of each other. You can't really tell them apart. They're going to run the ball a whole bunch. They have incredibly um, uh, stingy defenses, and I, I, was, I couldn't tell you who's going to win the game. Now, West Point did kind of start off the season slow. They were zero and two to start the season. They lost to Startville. They lost to uh, Louisville to start the season. But they've since won eleven straight and have just been tearing up uh, teams left and right. And then Picayune, I mean, what can you say? I mean, Dante Dowdle and Chris Davis and that whole crew. I mean, their fullback has seven touchdowns. Their fullback has seven touchdowns. That's how incredibly good they are. And, and for those of you that don't know what a fullback is, yes. in the olden days when we ran with an I formation, that was the guy that lined up in a three-point stance between the quarterback and the tailback. That, that's what. That's a fullback. I mean, he's the third leading rusher on the team, and he has like I think like six hundred yards. I mean, it, it just it's mind blowing how good their offense has been this year. Uh, the classification that I've been the most, um, I, I've had the most fun watching this year, I would say, is four A. There were about six or seven teams that I could have seen in the state championship game uh, in four A. It ends up being Lewisville and Mendenhall, and I'm I'm excited about it. these are two of those teams that could have been in that. Uh, that group that I just mentioned. Louisville, powerhouse program. They've never lost a state championship game. They've won 10 state championships. Taking on Mendenhall, who was a power back in the 80s, and this is Mendenhall's last chance, really, because they're going to be consolidated with McGee in a few years, and with all the seniors they have graduating um, this time around, I don't know if they'll make it back to a state championship in time. So this is like their last chance. I don't know what the new school is going to be called, but this is their last chance to win a state championship, essentially. It's going to be McGeeden Hall, I think. McGeeden Hall. That makes sense. <laughs> if I can get Haydad to giggle, I have accomplished something. I just made him giggle. We're that's good. good. That's McGeeden a good joke. Hall. I was sitting here thinking about how I hate losing McGee Mendenhall, such a great high school rivalry, but you brought me back up. McGeeden Hall. I'm writing that one down. I'm going to send the supervisors a letter. Uh, yeah, so Lewis. Print the t shirts. Look, hey, it's crazy though. You've got Louisville, 
Knoxabee County, Starkville, and West Point all in the state championship games. And those four teams typically, not every year, but typically will play each other in some form or fashion uh, to start the season. It's just a testament to how good those teams are in that area, hey, Dad. Yeah. That's right. Man, out of the gate tomorrow morning, 11 a.m., 3A state championship game, I feel like every single week throughout the course of the season – when we've mentioned Raleigh, Sunterine Perkins' name has come up. He's been such an incredible player for Raleigh. And then you got a traditional power in Knoxville mm-hmm. County as well. That's how we get to start this parade of six games over the course of two days. Raleigh is 13-1, and one, and I don't know if there's a player that's more valuable to a team than what Perkins is to Raleigh. Uh, they would not be in this. They might not make the playoffs if it's not for this guy. He puts that team on his back. He is the lead running back. I think he has like 25 touchdowns, 26 touchdowns, something like that. And he's the best defensive player. And he has several defensive touchdowns this year. He's just an incredible – and I think he might even punt the ball or kick the ball or something like that. I mean, he's just an incredible player. And Raleigh is – since the get-go, they've been the team to to kind of watch in 3A. Knoxville County, although the traditional power, they kind of snuck into this thing. They had a tough road. They had to get through – a, an Amory team that's, we've said it several times, the best that Amory's seen since the 90s. And yeah. uh, the fact that, that they were able to, to overcome a 21-point deficit in the first quarter and then the 14-point def, uh, deficit in the sec, in the fourth quarter just shows you how good they are. And um, Teddy Young and that crew at Knoxville County, they're, they're good every single year. And... I wouldn't be surprised if this one goes either way, but Raleigh is playing some really good football. Their only loss, by the way, was to MRA um, a few weeks. Uh, I think it was like middle of the season, something like that. And then in 2A, you've got um, Scott Central and Charleston. Scott Central defending 2A state champ. Not quite with the team they had last year. Last year, they had a record-setting team going into the playoffs. This year, they're really good. I don't think they're quite as good as they were last year. And they'll be taking on Charleston, a team that you know, has been there many times, but has only won one state championships in like one state championship in like six tries or seven tries, something like that. And then you got in one A, you got Bay Springs and McEvans. Bay, this is the most lopsided one. You've got Bay Springs as the defending one A state champ, and they're the heavy favorite in this one. I would say. We will continue the high school football conversation with Will East coming up in just a couple of minutes on the Farm Bureau guest line. This is Sports Talk Mississippi. More Sports Talk Mississippi. It's go time. Sports Talk Mississippi. Well, say something. Super Talk Mississippi. that has been with you, not just this year, but for a number of years on Friday nights throughout the high school football season for the Mississippi Farm Bureau Insurance Company's High School Scoreboard Show. It's been going for a quarter of a century now. 
And it is the place on Friday nights from 10 until 11.30 to stay up to date with all that's happening. Uh, the guys and gals that have been a part of that through the years do an incredible job, and uh, we just can't thank them enough for uh, yeah, their passion and their commitment to high school football, uh, which matters so much here in the state of Mississippi. And their knowledge. Uh, Keith Walker, who's been on the show for 20-something years now, I mean, you name a, a team, he can tell you the coach. He probably knows an athletic uh, administrator there. He can probably tell you the last time they won a state championship or a region or something like that. It's pretty amazing. It's a walking encyclopedia of Mississippi high school football. And the one thing that I've always kind of hated about Mississippi high school football, or one thing that we don't do very well, is our history. Uh, it's it's forgotten. You know, the next year it's like on to the next thing. We the the past is the past, and we don't celebrate the history of it as much as we probably should. But he is a walking encyclopedia of it. Keith Walker is, and then Butch, Butch has a knowledge of the private and academy schools that I don't have. Uh, I'm from North Mississippi, where private academy schools are not a big thing, and so yeah, he has that deep knowledge uh, of. All these teams and their their histories and their their coaches and their players and he can usually predict you know this team is going to do well this year and usually I poll the guys at the beginning of the year you know who do you think is going to be in the state championship game or who's going to win the state championship game and and each of these uh, classifications and they're not always accurate but man they came dead gum close this year hmm. I mean uh, Butch predicted from the get go he said Ocean Springs is the team to beat in six A and. You know, a lot of people, 6A football on the coast has struggled in recent years. They would have said, oh, you're crazy. Well, he came in within three points of uh, predicting that they would be in the state championship game. And, you know, we've talked throughout the course of the season about that that hurdle, right, for, for 6A coast football teams to, to try and get over and get to the state championship game. And while it didn't happen for Ocean Springs, I don't think that takes anything away from – the season they had, individual, team, just incredible all year long, and they just kept answering the bell with everybody that came along their way, and Brandon was just a field goal better. I mean, yeah. you, you said it a second ago. They, they they recover a fumble with less than a minute to go, drive down, make the field goal. I mean, we talk about college kickers. How about high school kickers? You, know, you make the field goal and you advance to the title game. What an incredible season for Ocean Springs. Yeah, Bray Hubbard, who is uh, Mr. Football in 6A and will be playing at Alabama next year, um, I guess on the defensive side. I don't know exactly what they're going to do with him. But as a quarterback, if there was one player that you would want, I think it would be Bray Hubbard uh, because the guy's a leader. Um, he, he left it all out on the field, and, an incredible player, and – I don't. I said Sunterine Perkins was probably the most valuable player for a team, and I think that's true uh, for uh, Raleigh in, at 3A. But if I had to pick a quarterback to start right now for a high school football team, I'd take Bray Hubbard if I'm limited to high school football quarterbacks. Uh, the guy is just an, an incredible player, and if Nick Saban is after him, you know that yeah. there's something there, right? Yeah. And he was after them, after him. When I think he was a Southern Miss baseball commit, and I, I think Nick Saban was the first football uh, offer that he had. I may be mistaken about that, but shows you kind of the, the quality of talent that he has. So tomorrow, 11 a.m., Raleigh and Knoxville County, 3 o'clock, Bay Springs, McEvans, and then the 5 8 state championship game is at 7 tomorrow night, Picayune and West Point. Then you go to Saturday, 
Mendenhall and Louisville at 11. Scott Central Charleston is at 3. Brandon and Starkville, that is at 7. All of the games are in Hattiesburg, uh, back at M.M. Roberts yep. Stadium at the Rock this year. And, and it's kind of settled in there for the last few seasons, hasn't it? So this is, what, the third year, I believe, that it's been there? They did it two years in a row, and then it, it was supposed to go back to rotating between Starkville, Oxford, and Hattiesburg, but for whatever reason, they decided they were going to have it back at the Rock this year. And I don't know what the future holds. Yeah, It would have been fun to have it in Starkville this year because of Knoxville County, Louisville, Starkville, West Point. I mean, could you imagine the crowds that would be uh, at Davis-Wade for those teams? And I, I kind of like it rotating between the different schools. I don't know how the schools feel about them, the colleges, but... I kind of like the rotation because it it gives a variety of places to go. Um, when it was in Jackson just for all those many years, there was something to that, but there's parts of the state that have to travel so far, and with them trying to, to improve the game and the knowledge of the game uh, across the state, especially with the areas of growth that we've seen in North Mississippi and on the coast, I think it's smart to keep it um, rotating between the schools. But I don't know what the plans are right now. And if you want to watch or listen to these games, you can go to the MHSAA website and uh, and figure out where we we will have area. the West Point game and we will have the Starkville game at supertalk.fm slash high school. So the five A right. and the six A state championship game. Supertalk.fm slash high school if you want to uh, listen to the five A game or the six A game. Will it's been fun doing this every week. Thanks so much for uh, all of your work and all your time. Yes, sir. Will East, who's our high school football guru, joining us on the Farm Bureau guest line. Sports Talk Mississippi. We'll be back. It's time for more Sports Talk Mississippi. Finally. Finally. On Super Talk Mississippi, the Super Talk app, and at supertalk.fm. Fullbacks earlier, and Craig and Moss Point, or uh, I guess Pascagoula said, never understood why the guy halfway back is called the fullback. And the guy all the way back, I'm just adding to this, was called the halfback. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Thanks for being with us, Sports Talk Mississippi. Streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk TV. Always good to be with you. We're coming to you from the Pearl River Resort Studios. Man, what a day today would have been. A little cool this morning, but kind of warmed up in the middle of the day to sneak out and grab 18 at one of the two championship golf courses at the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club. Both the Oaks and the Azaleas open to you. You can book a tee time online at dancingrabbitgolf.com or just plan your trip. We've got some uh, really cool uh, kind of weekend options that you can get into. Talk to them about those options. Uh, somebody asked me not too long ago, I said, hey, I'm getting my uh, my son-in-law I think it was either son or son-in-law, a, a golf package for uh, for Christmas. You got any suggestions? I was like, yeah, I got a suggestion. Dancing Rabbit. They'll absolutely love it, and uh, you will as well. DancingRabbitGolf.com to book your tee time today. You can join us on the C Spire text line at 601-879-4395. Want to give your business the edge? Get gigabit fiber internet from C Spire Business cspire.com slash business. Question on the C Spire text line. 
I'm just now tuning in, and I doubt this has been a topic today, but concerning Quinshawn Judkins and his current ranking of third most yards by an SEC freshman running back, is that solely regular season stats? If not, he would only need 140 yards in the bowl game to surpass Herschel Walker, correct? That is correct. In the NFL, postseason stats do not count toward career stats. In college, they do. And so, yes, um, Quinshawn Judkins with 140 yards could become the all-time leading rusher as a freshman in SEC history with a big bowl game. Uh, I said that with a great amount of authority. I'm right on that, aren't I? Bowl game stats count for college players. Yes, bowl game stats count for college players. Well, I was in uh, I was informed today by an incredibly intelligent person on Twitter that um, Judkins is not only is not a cornerstone or shouldn't be a cornerstone of a roster, but uh, Ole Miss wouldn't be any different without him. That you could have just plugged any running back right in there, and uh, they would have had the exact same results. So, uh, shout out Reed for uh, your very accurate and intelligent thought there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just just switch Judkins for Bentley, and the exact same thing would have happened. Fourteen hundred plus yards would have beaten Kentucky just like they did. Would have beaten A and M just like they did. Auburn would have gone the same way. Nothing wait, changes wait, about the wait, season oh, at all. Somebody actually said that to you. Yep, that um, it has nothing to do with the type of back, and that running backs don't win games. Just said a lot of stuff. Very interesting conversation, uh, for sure. That might be the single stupidest thing I've ever heard. Yeah. Well, but see, Quinshawn's game against A&M wasn't special because Evans and Dart uh, combined for 170 yards themselves. So therefore, ah, it doesn't matter. So, yes. Mm -hmm. Again, that might be the stupidest thing I've ever heard. And I've heard a lot of stupid things. Credit to him, though. I, I'll, I'll take it from people like him who have their name attached to what they say. That's fine. If, if you want to you know, tell me I'm wrong for saying that one, the most important thing that Ole Miss was able to do this offseason was lock him up and make sure he didn't go anywhere, if you want to tell me that that's moronic, then that's fine if your name's on it. It's the anonymous people that I have no patience for. If you're going to put your name on that, sure, I'll engage with you. That's fine. You're wrong, but that's fine. Hey, Dad, earlier in the show, I, I, I made a bit of an assumption and did a little connecting of the dots, and you didn't push back on what I said. So I, I am curious if you've heard anything or, or any thoughts in terms of some of the announcements of Mississippi State players coming back, primarily Pookie Watson and Jaden Crumity. Uh, I know there's some others that are either thinking about it or maybe have, have committed to come back as well. H- how much of that do you believe is driven by the Bulldog Initiative, the, the NIL piece, paper play, whatever we're, at, whatever we're calling it now, when, when you're talking about guys that might have gotten drafted, might not have gotten drafted, they didn't get drafted, they would be unsigned free agents, would have an opportunity to play in the NFL, but very much up for grabs, or, or, or uncertain, at least. It, it, has that been a focus, at least as you understand it? Absolutely, one hundred percent. You know, it was to a, a degree this past season as well, but for sure, a guy like Jaden Crumity 
has an NFL future. If he put his name in the draft, I think he would be a fifth, sixth, seventh round pick. He, he he's good enough to make a squad. Buki Watson probably the same way. So yeah, there 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 clearly are going to be deals in place to to keep those guys here uh, in Starkville for for another season. So and you can add uh, Jordan Davis and Nathan Pickering to that list. They both announced today they will return for Mississippi State. There are drawbacks to NIL, but there is a positive because those. Uh, we don't know how much they're possibly getting. I assume it is more than $1. But whatever it is, <laughs> you don't have to go risk not getting drafted, being stuck on a practice squad at best, when you can still earn. And maybe not all of them have finished their degree, or they can start working on a master's and improve your draft stock. It is a win for everybody. And Mississippi State's front six... Going into this season, didn't get any respect nationally. They they need to this time. I mean, with what they have returning production wise, and knock on wood, state fans, they're all healthy. I mean, you could you don't have to stretch at all to say top three, front six in the SEC going into next season. You don't, you don't have to stretch because they've got dudes coming back. I mean, you could talk about Alabama, Georgia, A and M. The entire A and M roster is hitting the portal. Well, Anderson's leaving Alabama. There's a chance that State comes into this as one of the best, if not the best, front six in the conference. I think that's a very reasonable argument. We get a message on the ceasefire text line that says, Hey, the kids coming back have already been told that they will be free agent draft picks. Pro scouts have already come in and talked to those guys, so they're taking the sure thing in terms of NIL money, plus, you know, the other money that they get through their scholarship that comes in the terms of, or in the, the form of a stipend, uh, you know, what, whatever other financial assistance is coming their way and play another year of college football and, you know, hopefully improve draft status. The, um, you know, the highest profile example, this isn't even college football, it's college basketball. I think the highest profile example of this so far is Oscar Shibway at Kentucky. Yeah. Now, I don't know that we're, well, I feel confident that we're not talking about the same amount of money for Mississippi State's defensive linemen and linebackers that are coming back that Oscar Shibway got to come back for another year at Kentucky. It feels like that's probably a different tax bracket. Yeah, Watson's a good player. I don't know if he's getting seven million from Mississippi State, but if he is, good for him. But is that the rumored amount? If he's Sheboy? getting seven million, then, I, I, then I meant the seven figures, not is, seven million. Oh, let's say if he's getting seven million, Borky, the the Grove Collective is is eating the Bulldog Initiative's dust. <laughs> if one guy got seven million from Mississippi State, yeah, seven figures. I assume uh, Sheboy's getting seven figures at Kentucky. Yes, easily. Yes, I, I, I think that's. I think that's. I think that is a very reasonable assumption. Um, it's a fascinating part of this NIL landscape. Because when we talk about name, image, and likeness, pay for play, describe it how you will, part of it is about bringing guys in through the transfer portal. Part of it is about what you're going to do for the elite high school kids that you're trying to bring in and add to your roster. But there's a significant part of it as well, and maybe even more important, because you've got guys that are proven in your system 
where you're having to pay them to stay. I, I, I saw somebody, and I don't know if this was somebody being funny or not, intentionally or unintentionally, but said, you know, Quinshawn Judkins had signed an extension through the 23-24 season with Ole Miss. I mean, the verbiage <laughs> has changed, right? But that's what he's done. He signed an extension. And he got a really good extension, reportedly, based on the freshman season that he had. Go be the, the, the best at your position in all of college football when you are a freshman and your sophomore year is going to be fun, financially. Whether it's Quinshawn Judkins or anybody else. Sports Talk Mississippi, we'll get to more of your messages on the C Spire text line when we come back. Sports in Mississippi. You'll hear about it here. Sports Talk Mississippi on Super Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV. Thanks for being with us. Time for us to go to the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team at Mississippi Farm Bureau. I promised we'd get back to your messages on the text line. We'll do that in just a little while. But right now, we've got to talk with Lee Sterling, our buddy from Paramount Sports, ParamountSports.com. We have the College Football Championship weekend up on us. Hello, Lee. How are you? Everything good? Absolutely. Absolutely. Any, so any more games about a 12 team that, playoff? that a wrap? Say what now? Any more football games, or, or do you move into basketball season now? I, uh, I will be in Birmingham on Sunday for South Alabama and UAB's first basketball game of the year for me. So, uh, yeah, okay. make, making the That's transition. <laughs> they might send you down to Miami. <laughs> you know, that wouldn't be the worst thing, especially if no, you could do that not in, at all. Uh, in they January look or February. Up, we'll have dinner for after the game. I'm for it. Hey, let's talk about these games uh, this weekend. Uh, let's start in the Big 12. TCU-Kansas State. TCU is a favorite here. These two teams playing for the second time this season, and Kansas State kind of had it rolling early in that game. Had some injuries. TCU came from behind. Great home win earlier in the year. TCU has checked all the boxes. They've answered all the questions. Kansas State's a good football team. If you watch them, especially last week, Deuce Vaughn, maybe the running back that that not a lot of people nationally know about. He's small, but he's so good. What do you think about this Big 12 title game? He is, and he rips off long gains, and so does Kendra Miller for, for TCU, who has almost 1,300 yards and even more, 16 touchdowns. That was an interesting game. I mean, from the start of that game, Will Howard has been unstoppable. He's averaging 9.3 yards per attempt. I think that's number one in the country. Have to look it up. But 
Um, two top ten teams also in turnover margin. I think the difference here might just be Max Dugan. I, I, I think the Kansas State caught TCU. They were not preparing for a passing uh, quarterback in that game. If he stayed in the game, I do think that they would have won the game if he didn't get injured. But Max Dugan playing extremely well. I mean, he wasn't even the starter to start the year. Just think about it. These two quarterbacks that are almost unstoppable weren't even the starters the first game of the year. They were beaten out. But I just think that maybe Quentin Johnson, the receiver from TCU, 6-4, guy who's almost unguardable. He's been banged up the last couple weeks. It looks like he'll be ready to go here. Might be the difference. I mean, winning close games and finding ways to win these games is, I think, a really good characteristic for a team. And odds makers, I think, maybe undervalue that to some degree. Um, I'm going to keep riding with TCU one more week, 35-30. So TCU, um, two and a half. I, I'm sorry, I read the lo- wrong line. You even told me I was reading the lo- wrong line. Uh, TCU is a two-and-a-half-point favorite, 35-30. That would be a cover and that would also be an over. The total in this game set yep. at 61 and a half. Man, if we get that kind of a game to start Saturday, what a fun day it's going to be. Yep, going to be great. i, I got to ask you, Lee, about the, the game on Friday night. Out on the West Coast, actually out in Vegas, Utah and Southern Cal playing for the second time. Uh, Utah gets the win by a field goal in Salt Lake City earlier this season at Rice-Eccles Stadium. Great environment, ton of emotion that night. It's the only blemish on the resume this year for Southern Cal. Caleb Williams cemented himself as the Heisman Trophy winner last week. I guess a revenge game for USC, but I don't even know if you classify it as a revenge game when a trip to the playoff is hanging in the balance. So I watched that game late night, and I'm, I went back and looked back on my notes. And the thing that I wrote like three times and underlined it was there were two late hit calls, one in the first half and one on the final drive of the game that were not late hits that were called on USC defensive linemen that allowed Utah to score two touchdowns. Horrific calls. Also, Jordan Addison went out in that game in the third quarter. USC scored 42 points, and he missed the last 20 minutes of the game. So Hmm. I just think that USC's skill players, they looked a step or two faster in that game. As good as Cam Rising is, glad you brought this game up because Caleb Williams is flat out better here. I think they exact that revenge, 38-31. Okay, so so Southern Cal gets it done, and uh, they get to the playoff in year one under Lincoln Riley. SEC championship game. This one feels so much different than it could have felt if LSU had not laid an egg in College Station on Saturday. But they did. And so it's a three-loss LSU team with no shot of getting into the playoff and a Georgia team who's trying to stay perfect on the year. Uh, Georgia did not play very well in this game against Alabama a year ago in Atlanta, despite it being like 90% Georgia fans I mean, it was a full-on home game for the dogs at Mercedes-Benz. Big number in this game, right? I mean, it's sitting at 17-and-a-half. Is that too big, and do we see a better performance from LSU than we've seen the last couple of weeks? You know, some people will say LSU was looking ahead when they lost last week. Uh, I just think they got whipped. And, you know, this has been a nice year, a surprise year for LSU, maybe a year or two ahead of schedule. 
but they still have weaknesses here. And I think Georgia, which really has no weakness on their team, is going to expose those weaknesses. And on top of that, Jaden Daniels, even if he tries to play, I hear he's in a walking boot as late as yesterday. He's got to be at best 75 80%. I mean, we saw Blake Corum try to go from Michigan. We found out later uh, this week that he's going to end up having season-ending surgery. So I don't yeah. think Jaden Daniels is going to be much of a factor here. George is used to playing <laughs> in this stadium. Seems like twice a year. I think they get it done. They win big, forty-two sixteen. Forty-two sixteen. That's a big win for Georgia. And if they win, they will turn around and be right back in that stadium about uh, about a month later for the yep. uh, for the Peach Bowl, is one of the college football playoff semifinals. Uh, Lee, what's going on at Paramount Sports? What what, what do we well, need to be looking at right now? So championship week was real strong for us. Last year went four and one. We've won thirteen out of sixteen weeks this year since the start of the preseason. Anyone who's never been with us before for some reason, who knows why, jumped off. Then get all of December, got championship week games. We have twenty, I think, six bowl games before uh the end of the month, and then four weeks of the NFL. We call it double down December, just two hundred and ninety seven dollars. Love to have you involved. Just one place, ParamountSports.com. I got. I, I will admit that because I've done American Conference games all season long, I'm a little more fascinated by this maybe than a lot of people are. But the American Championship game, it's on campus at Tulane, second mm-hmm. time that UCF and Tulane have met this year. First time around, John Rice Plumley had a huge game running the football, threw it okay, but, I mean, it was all about his feet, his legs. Tulane gets the announcement this week that Willie Fritz is coming back. He spurned Georgia yeah. Tech. So I can't imagine the wall that those Tulane players are ready to run through. Tulane's a four-point favorite at home. Am I crazy for thinking that this has a chance to be a great game? If John Rice Pumley plays in the game and he's got an injured shoulder, I mean, he could end up going out early, even if he does play. So uh, we don't know his status yet, but um, in the first game, Tulane could not stop the option at all. I kept writing it down over and over again. Tulane can't stop the option. I was shocked they didn't make uh, any adjustments in the second half. But if he plays, trust me, uh, they will play a seven or eight man front and dare them to throw the football. I believe, and I think this Tulane team has really come on. So um, maybe early in the year, Central Florida takes them. But revenge game, I like Tulane here, thirty-one twenty-one. Man, I hope that's a good environment. When they played the first yeah. time, that was a big stage for that game, and yeah. it still wasn't full. It's not a huge stage. Surely they're going to fill it up. Now it's going to be ratcheted up. This, the environment should be like three or four levels above that game. I hope so. Hey, if anybody wants to uh, wants to get a freebie from you, they want to uh, get uh, a game from you, a little Thursday night football action, don't we? Yep. They can get uh, Buffalo and New England tonight. Just call 800-400-9741. We'll give them the game for free. And check out the website, all the free pick videos and all the info there, ParamountSports.com. I haven't even checked. What's the weather tonight for that ball game? Is it going to be okay? Yeah, in fact, it's mid-30s, like 35, 36 yeah. degrees, 10 to 12-mile-an-hour winds. Not terrible for that time That's of year. Yeah, I'd much rather get snow for the Bills and the Patriots. What are we doing? Right. It's more fun to watch, right? No doubt. No doubt. All right, give them that phone number one more time. They can get the free pick if they want to do it. Yeah, 800-400-9741, or it's always on the website, ParamountSports.com.
All right, Lee, we'll take next week off, and uh, then we'll circle back and get a big college football postseason bonanza with you coming up in uh, a couple of weeks. Look forward to it. Sounds good. Take care, guys. Lee Sterling from ParamountSports.com. They've got the uh, double-down December deal, I believe he said, going on. You can uh, get in on that, and you can also call and get the uh, the free pick with the Thursday night game. Prime video tonight, Bills, Patriots, Buffalo favored by four over New England at Gillette Stadium in Foxborough. Sports Talk Mississippi with you. We'll be right back. Talk Mississippi. Your all-access pass to all things sports in Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi on the Super Talk app, your local Super Talk station, and at supertalk.fm. One of the all-time greats has spoken. I'll give you the quote. You tell me who said it. I'm not going to do any voice impersonations. I'm just going to read it. I almost feel sorry for Tennessee. They're not going to win the division. They're not going to get in that Final Four. They're just going to have a little bit better than average year. Someone told me Tennessee's probably headed for the Citrus Bowl now. (laughs) Who could that be? The only thing that is missing is a tag onto the very end of that after a slight hesitation where the head ball coach says, you know what they say about the Citrus Bowl. There it is. Wow. 77 years old, still has that fastball. No doubt. No doubt. You know, the the people that purchased the feels like 98 shirts. What do you do with that shirt? Do you just preserve it and wait for the next time you get off to a hot start and fizzle to the finish? I mean, what, what do you do with a shirt like that? Uh, I mean, aside from the fact that, as, as we pointed out during the season, wearing that shirt, if you think about it, is, is kind of dumb. Because you're saying... It feels like the last time we were nationally competitive, which was 1998, before all of our current players were born. So that's kind of like a cell phone right there, wearing a shirt with giant letters that say, feels like 98 on them. But now that you've lost two games and gave up a 63 spot to South Carolina, what do you do? That's... $32 $32 just flushed down the toilet, basically. Fold it up, put it at the bottom of your drawer. Hey, you do yard work in it. Yeah, but you don't want your neighbor to see. That's embarrassing. Oh, they probably got one, too. <laughs> you know, it's easy to punch at Tennessee. It sure does feel like that thing's trending in the right direction there. It... But, look, we've, we've looked at it right from the angle of... Ole Miss and Mississippi State greatly benefit from a 12-team playoff. What about a team like Tennessee? Tennessee is a team that greatly benefits from a 12-team playoff. 
Because unless something changes, and it doesn't feel like it's changing, they're not catching Georgia. I know they beat Alabama this year. I think Tennessee can probably solidify itself as the second-best team in the East. I'm not quite ready to give up on Florida and Billy Napier after one year like a lot of people are. I think there was a lot of work to do for Billy Napier. He didn't have the first-year splash that Josh Heupel had. But as long as Tennessee is firmly behind Georgia in the East, they need more than just four teams getting into the playoff. Don't you think? I agree, but it's funny to think about. Because despite it being a long time since Tennessee's won a national championship or has been relevant nationally... Um, Tennessee needs help. Somebody says next year the Vols won't have their 25-year-old quarterback, so they will take a step back. Maybe. I kind of believe in that offense, and I believe in Josh Heupel. Yeah. I mean, Hendon Hooker was not the Hendon Hooker that he is today when Tennessee got him from Virginia Tech. Hendon Hooker made huge strides in his time at Tennessee. He didn't even win the starting job a year ago. Joe Milton won the starting job. And then got injured, and he wasn't great. He was kind of turnover prone. And when they handed the keys to Hinden Hooker, I mean, it was like they slammed down the accelerator. I did read a funny story earlier but, today. But, but you just love picking on Tennessee, boy. Oh, I do. You do. You do. Because other places, Auburn... At least Auburn, in my lifetime, won something that I remember, right? I remember Cam Newton. I remember that they bought Cam Newton, but hey, hate the player, not the game. Or hate the game, not the player. Auburn just did what it I took to win. I remember Mississippi State should have bought Cam Newton. They should have. They would have been carrying the trophy off the field. Not Auburn, but Auburn did it. He had the AU on his helmet for that one year, that one magical year. I remember Auburn's relevancy. I don't remember Tennessee's relevancy. I was too young to know what was going on at that time. There is not a fan base in college sports that has the hubris that rivals Tennessee without the results to match. Since I have been able to remember things, what has Tennessee been good at? They've had a couple basketball years in there. But the football program's been a joke. The most memorable thing Tennessee football's done since I can remember was Lane Kiffin leaving them and painting the rock and Derek Dooley sitting awkwardly on his stool on the sidelines. Yeah, and your point is relevant, Borky, in that, that you can remember, and, and that's an entire generation, right? I mean, certainly the players that are there now are significantly lo- younger than you. But Haydad and I, who are slightly older than you are, I mean, Haydad just turned 50 yesterday. Congratulations. Happy birthday on that. It's awesome. Um, we do vividly, re- I mean, from, from the, from the mid eighties through the late nineties, oh, Tennessee football was a huge deal. A huge deal. And we're talking about Andy Kelly and then Heath Schuler. That was the era when Reggie White played there. Um, 
you know, rolling into Peyton Manning, T. Martin following. I mean, Tennessee football was a big freaking deal. And there's so many Tennessee fans that lived through that and have been um, unwilling to let go of that to get to where they are now. We get a but they got to sustain what they're doing right now. <laughs> like Tennessee has to sustain what they did this season for a decade to come close to what they were from about 1987 until about 1997. We get a good comparison on the text line. The Cowboys. I don't remember good Dallas Cowboy football. My generation thinks that they are a joke. We don't understand the America's team thing. Why do we all love the Cowboys? Their owner's a weirdo, and the team stink. What is exciting about the Cowboys? They're terrible. They've been terrible. Because they were good long before we were able to remember how good they were. And, and and again, I mean, it's almost the exact same scenario, right? But but and and for the Cowboys, it's like three different eras, right? I mean, it's the Roger Staubach era of the Cowboys. It's the Danny White era of the Cowboys. It's the Troy Aikman era of the Cowboys. Because pre Troy Aikman, like the first year he was there, they were awful. Not like mediocre, like they've been for the last decade. They were terrible when Jerry Jones bought the team. But, man, that Michael Irvin, Alvin Harper, Troy Aikman, Emmett Smith, Leon Lett, Charles Haley, good grief, those cow- I mean, three Super Bowl wins. The, the two la- different coaches. The third, the most recent Super Bowl win. Like, and I'm not, I'm not a kid, you know? I mean, I'm, I'm a father of a, a three-year-old. I have a three in front of my age now. I was three years old when the Cowboys won their most recent Super Bowl. <laughs> hey, Dad said, wait till you get a five in front of your age. Yeah, not I mean, my fifty. There's some there's some time for that, but still, I mean, the, the Dallas Cowboys' most recent Super Bowl is when I was three. I was my son's age. The last time the Cowboys won a Super Bowl. Hmm. Last time they went to the Super Bowl. I was three years old. How old are you, Borky? 30, 30, right? 31 in March. Hey, Dad, how old are you? I turned 47 yesterday. 47. You realize you're closer to 60 than Borky is to 50? (laughs) Your face is going to be closer to the back of my hand next time I see you. Oh, I'm just having fun. I mean, I'm sitting here at 42. Uh, and I, I don't feel a day over. I don't have, I don't know what 21. age I feel. I, I, I don't know what I it's supposed fine. to feel like to be 42, but I, I don't feel like I feel 42. I just take it one day at a time. There you go. Every day above ground's a good one. There you go. Um, let's see here. 
Hate Borky is too young to remember UT football greatness, and all he is used to is hotty potty. And then another one. How old was I the last time Ole Miss went to the uh, SEC championship in football? Thank, what does that have to do with this conversation? Thanks for reading my text, Richard. I appreciate that. At all. Like, at, at what point is that relevant to this conversation at all? I, explain that. we got more coming up. Sports Talk Mississippi. We'll be right back. In Mississippi sports, you'll hear about it first, right here. Sports Talk Mississippi. Love Christmas music. I fielded some complaints last year about how we started too early. So, well, that, that's actually a joke, though, because there's an episode of Family Guy where Joe believes this—that's a Christmas song. Oh, <laughs> I thought you might. I, I finally got a reference through that you didn't yeah. catch. Wow, you're slipping, ball. I am. Yeah, we had somebody slipping. A- ask well, us earlier I mean, when does that week start. It's time to start easing some into it. Yeah, right? I'll start next week. I played some today in the car. It's December first. It's a little cold outside. I was like, it feels right. Yeah. It's chilly this morning. Ooh, really chilly yeah. this morning. Um, yeah. nothing like the smell of a Fraser fur, by the way. We um a few years ago we had to transition away from live trees in the house. Bummer. Allergy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One of the kids has got asthma, and so we... Um, Same here. That makes sense. My wife's allergic to, to, to real trees, so we always have a fake tree. But I always had a fake tree when I was a kid, so I'm yeah. used to it. Yeah. We got a beautiful tree. It's up in the corner, lights on, ornaments on, the whole deal. But, uh, yeah, we loved real trees. But one of the kids, I mean, was just sneezing and stopped up and just couldn't... That's no good. And Jane kind of, like, woke up and, like, a, you know, she'd gone to bed. She was like... I wonder if it's the Christmas tree. She's like, you got to move it outside. I was like, I beg your pardon? She's like, you got to move the Christmas So I went and took down the Christmas tree and put it on the back porch, and the next day it changed. So I imagine that. Yeah, it's kind of been how it's uh, yeah. how we've gone with it ever since. I've, I've got a question. I need to, I need to crowd. Uh, it's not crowdsource necessarily. I guess it kind of is. But I need, I know some of you, one of you that's listening has this device. I've seen it pop up on my Instagram feed as an ad. Have you guys seen the magic box? So it's if you've got a if you've got a screen in your vehicle and you've got like a a USB plug-in. It's this little box that plugs into the USB and then it becomes like a streaming device. So that on the, you, you can like override the system in your car and transform your vehicle's screen in the middle of your dashboard into like YouTube TV or YouTube or Pandora, you know, whatever. Has anybody got one of these things? 
Can have it guys, work on a car? Like, I don't that? have a screen on my panel. It, it's just buttons and, like, one very thin to tell me what radio station I've got on and what time it is. My wife has a screen, so I guess that could work. Yeah. Borky, they, they, they make those now in vehicles where there's, like, a, a screen in the middle right. of the Right. I'm wondering <laughs> if, though, it, like, this won't work for... Yeah, I don't think it's going to work for your, your radio station readout. No. That's a shame. I'd love to watch but, TV but while I'm in a box for you. Yeah. I mean, obviously, this would not be for while you're driving down the road. <laughs> of course not. That would be a terrible idea. Anyway, I just was curious if anybody had one of these things. I've seen them advertised, and they look really, really cool. But it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, there, there's a guy that lives. Uh, so when he Madison's not small, but it's not big either. So I see a lot of the same cars driving to and from the studio every day because we're driving at the same time. And there's a guy that's got a Tesla that I am often driving home near, and he's mm -hmm. got a screen in that thing that is like, it, I mean, it's bigger than a laptop screen. It, it is like a 24-inch, just big monitor right in the middle of his car. How are you not distracted by that? It's just so big and bright inside of his car, like his body illuminates because of the screen that he's got in this car. How does that not distract you? I rode in a Tesla the first time a few weeks ago. I, I, somebody took me to the airport when I was in Philadelphia after a game, like trying to get there fast for a flight, and the, the guy that owned the production company that was doing the game, he's like, I'll give you a ride, jump in. And you're right, it is massive. Ab that, that screen is what it probably diagonally 21 inches. Hmm. Have you guys ever been to in a uh, Tesla? Like with anybody driven one or ridden in one or anything? No. When I when I went to California a few years back for the uh NCAA tournament covering mm -hmm. covering Mississippi State out there. So, you know, I get there, I I, I land and I, I get on my app and I get an Uber. And this guy rolls up in a Tesla. And I'm just like, I think I know why you need a second job, bud. You ever heard of a Toyota Corolla? Yeah. But, yes, driving, I think I was just like, this is ridiculous. Did, did he ever punch the gas? Not that I remember. So, so, so this guy did once on, like, we're you know going across a bridge on the interstate on the way to the airport, and he hit it once, and it, it kind of did that deal where it kind of threw I was like, oh, this is the acceleration yeah. they talk about, the zero to yeah. as fast as you want to be. In no time flat, it's pretty cool. I don't know that a Tesla is for me, but uh, it was you know it was kind of cool. Anyway, just thought I'd check on Magic Box and see if anybody knew about those college football fix coming up next. We'll be right back. Sports Talk Mississippi on the Super Talk app, your local Super Talk station, and at supertalk.fm. Thursday, the first day of the month of December with you. Sports Talk Mississippi. Thanks for being with us in the Pearl River Resort Studios. Pearl River Resort, the home 
of the sports book at the Golden Moon Casino. Just inside the Golden Moon, you look out onto the gaming floor, you got the great restaurants, including Mama and M, and uh, good food that is right there at the sports box. You've got the, uh, the individual betting terminals, the, the crystal betting terminals that they've got right there, uh, and a ton of TVs, like 40 or 50 TVs inside the sports book. If you haven't checked it out, do yourself a favor, check it out, sportsbook at the Golden Moon Casino, part of Pearl River Resort. You can visit them online at pearlriverresort.com. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, and Brian Haydad, thanks for being with us this afternoon. As always, if you want to be a part of the conversation, you can join us on the Ceasefire text line at 601-879-4395. Check out ceasefire.com slash business for all the info on how to make your business the best with gigabit Fiber Internet from Ceasefire Business. Tomorrow, Mississippi Farm Bureau celebrates 100 years in Super Talk Mississippi. We'll be there. Join the Super Talk Mississippi team as we broadcast live from the Mississippi Trademark, celebrating 100 years of faith, family, and Farm Bureau. And don't forget that on Sunday in Meridian, cool event coming up, live from the Temple. It's an event at the Temple Theater in Meridian that will feature over 24 Mississippi musicians, performing to help restore the legendary Temple Theater in Meridian. The show is Sunday, starts at 2 o'clock. You can get your tickets by going to thetempletheater.com. It's time right now for the College Football Fix. College Football Fix is driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Log on to buyfordnow.com. Find out why the best-selling trucks are built Ford Tough, and don't stop there. You can test drive an F-150, F-Series, 45 years, since 1977, as the best-selling trucks in America. Test drive an F-150 today. All right, college football fix. So we were talking earlier about the uh, college football playoff news. The Rose Bowl finally had to acquiesce. They tried to hang on to whatever leverage that they thought they had for a really long time. Turned out, when it all came down to it, after everybody tried to play nice with the Rose Bowl for a really long time, there was no actual leverage. Greg Sankey, Kevin Warren, I don't know who else, but whoever else was in charge, finally said to the Rose Bowl, yeah, you can lock in for the next two seasons to your traditional time slot, rotation on the college football playoff semifinals, play your game, you know, kicks off at 4 o'clock Central Time, 2 o'clock on the West Coast, get that beautiful sunset over the stadium. You can do that for two more years. And then after that, you can keep playing your game. And you can have the third-best team from the Pac-12 third-best team from the Big Ten. If you get lucky, maybe you get the second-best team from those two leagues in the granddaddy of them all. But you will not have an exclusive time window. We will compete against you. And you will not, after the next two years, be a part of determining a champion in college football. And the Rose Bowl said, well, but could you guarantee? Nope, no, no, there will be no guarantees. The time for talk is over. You can either sign the paper, you can sign it, and we can all move on happily together, or you cannot sign it, 
and you can enjoy whatever it is that you're going to enjoy for the next two years, and then you can fade off into relative obscurity in a game that absolutely no one will care about because it will be directly head-to-head against a college football playoff game. It's your decision. We need to know by Wednesday. Yesterday was Wednesday. There was even a little bit of reporting at the end of the day that it was like, well, it looks like today is going to come and go with no news. Uh-uh. We got news, all right. And the news was the Rose Bowl got in line, and we are now one football season away from a 12-team college football playoff. Giddy up! Yes! They, uh, they gave him the Luca Brazzi there. Either you're... Either your name or your brains are going to be on this contract. One of the two. Mm-hmm. It, it was really simple, too. It, it, when it comes to a bowl game setting, sure, maybe venue matters some. People do like the visuals of the Rose Bowl. But when you're talking about playoff games, does anybody care at all where? I'm talking about the viewer, the people that actually generate all the revenue, the ones at home. If that game is not played in the Rose Bowl, it is instead played in the Superdome, does that change one viewer? Nope. It doesn't matter. They could play it in Nashville. They could play it at MetLife. They could play it in Minneapolis. They could play it in Phoenix or uh, Scottsdale or wherever it is. Glendale. Glendale. They could play struggle it. with Glendale. We do. They can play it in the Madison Kroger in Indianapolis. They can play it anywhere they want to, and people are still going to watch because it's the playoff. So that was always a, a dumb thing. My question is, what I was thinking about earlier today... Well, let, me, let me answer the first part of that. Yes, I care, but I don't care enough to hold the rest of college football hostage. Like, that Georgia-Oklahoma game in a college football playoff semifinal a few years ago in the Rose Bowl with the sun setting, it was spectacular. I don't want that to go away. But if my option is it doesn't go away and we're two years longer getting to the college football playoff with 12 teams... Or it goes away and we get the college football playoff in two years with 12 teams? Yeah, I don't care about the sunset that much. I can watch the sunset here. They're great. They're beautiful. Gorgeous. All I got to do is look into the western sky, and on certain days it will be absolutely spectacular. My son sent me a picture today of the sunset in Oxford looking west. You're watching on Super Talk TV. You can see it right there. Gorgeous sunset. Yeah, Doesn't have the mountains. Sick. It's the same sunset too. But it, that is a great change. sunset right here in Oxford, Mississippi. I don't have to have that in Pasadena. I don't have to. But guess what? Despite all of their shenanigans, Rose Bowl finally got in line, so I can still see the sunset you knew in Pasadena. Would. I mean, you knew they would. Of course they would. They didn't have any choice, because it's like Richard said. They were going to get Purdue versus uh, Oregon State in there on a yearly basis. 
and like, and you know they'll be playing at 11 a.m. because TV's like, well, we got a you know we got a semifinal game, so what are we going to do? Or they're on FS1, one of the two. And they they weren't going to. They're not stupid. You can still have the parade on New Year's Day, guys. Nobody cares about your parade. I, when I say no one cares about your parade outside of Pasadena, literally, no one cares about your parade. I mean, I'm sure a couple of million people watch it on television on New Year's Day. It's just on. They still New will. Year's morning. Yes, you're right. It's yeah. on that morning while you're waiting on football to start. While you're waiting on football. Yeah. Yeah. While you got the collard greens and the and the pork chops cooking. Mm. And black eyed peas. Black eyed peas. There you go. Mm. Pork roast and sauerkraut and mashed potatoes and black eyed peas. Yeah, we do sauerkraut. And greens. You gotta have greens. Why do you have to have greens? For money. Uh, you may not need it. The rest <laughs> of us eat the greens. I just get the cabbage and the peas for good luck, man. He walked right into that one. <laughs> well played. Uh, oh, well man. played. All right, Borky, so I interrupted your train of thought, but I wanted to answer that part of the question. So we'll tease it then because we're up against a break. We, we've talked about often over the last what, couple of years now about playoff expansion and why it matters and, and why we want it and, and how it makes the season more important for more teams and, and all of that. And I believe all of that is true. My next question is going to be, after the break, about what it does to Ole Miss and Mississippi State and Southern Miss. I didn't forget this time, guys. Um, what it means for them Absent just access to the playoff, does it change the status of the programs themselves because of said access? And we can talk about that when we come back. Sports Talk Mississippi, you can text the show on the ceasefire text line. Jeff says, don't forget the rutabagas. We get a couple of notes for cabbage. Well, that's the whole sauerkraut thing. Uh, so, yeah, Sports Talk Mississippi. We'll be right back. Sports talk in the state. It's the best thing. Say that again. We the best on three. One, two, three. We the best. Sports talk, Mississippi. Super talk, Mississippi. Again on Sports Talk Mississippi, five o'clock hour on this Thursday afternoon. Orky set it up before the break, teased it before the break. So let's do it. And we'll do it again. So the playoff expansion is here. We know that's coming after next season. We know it increases the access for Ole Miss and Mississippi State and Southern Miss to the top. Uh, but does it do more than just increase the access to the playoff? Does it in any way change the dynamic of their programs? And here's kind of what I'm thinking along those lines. Does it make it easier to retain 
or hire quality coaching candidates? Is it easier to recruit, especially players within your own state? Does it elevate the profile of the programs because the playoff is expanded, thus giving them more access to it? Once they get there. Like, you got to get there. Because if, you, if you, they start this thing in 2024, and it's 2028, and neither team has made it, that then it becomes difficult. But the first time you get in, it's going to be like, see, we can make it. We just got to have the right people in place. Yeah. Well, and if you're talking about group of five schools, see, to me, that's where the the... the there has been the, the fallacy of logic in the current college football playoff is open to everyone. And you've heard people from the college football playoff say that year after year after year after year. And it's just not true. Right? I mean, we, we had an undefeated UCF three years ago who ended up claiming its own national championship not get into the playoff. That UCF team would have been part of a 12-team playoff, and they would have had a chance to prove it, to win on the field. And so for a program like Southern Miss, man, this is awesome. Because you don't have to be one of the four best teams in the country, according to the College Football Playoff Committee, to play for a national championship. You simply have to be the best non-Power 5 program. Now, is that still a tall task? Yeah, absolutely it is. I mean, you probably need to be a top 15 to a 20 team. You, you, you do. But that's a whole lot easier than being top oh, four. Yeah. Because if, if, if I'm Will Hall today, I'm so excited about this. Because I don't have to be Georgia, Alabama, Ohio State, LSU, Clemson, fill in the blank. I don't have to be that. What have I got to be? I got to be Boise State. I've got to be San Diego State. I got to be Houston or UCF as they have been. The winner of UCF Tulane, Tulane, a team that Southern Miss beat on the field this year. One of Tulane's two losses is to the University of Southern Mississippi. That's what I've got to be. I have to be the highest-ranked champion. I've got to be one of the six highest-ranked conference champions. And I know that most years, five of those six are going to be SEC, Big Ten, ACC, Big 12, Pac-12. But not always, because we've seen the Pac-12 cycle down. We've seen the ACC cycle down. We've seen the Big 12 cycle down. SEC, Big Ten aren't going anywhere. But in most years, you're going to have to be the highest-ranked conference champion from not one of those schools. What does that mean? It means you got to have a really, really special season. But it doesn't have to be a special season in comparison to Georgia or Alabama. It's got to be a special season 
in comparison to Louisiana Lafayette and Boise State and San Diego State and UTSA, USF, Cincinnati. And that's attainable. It's not easy. It's not easy by any stretch of the imagination. But it's possible. In the previous setup, the current setup that we're in, it's not possible. Southern Miss could have gone 12-0 and this year and then won the conference championship game this weekend to get to 13-0. and And you know what they would be? They would be not in the playoff. And they might not even be in the Cotton Bowl. They might, but they might not. So in a year where Western Michigan has two Big Ten teams on its schedule, and then they play BYU, and they go 12-0, and right? They beat BYU, and they beat uh, Michigan State and Rutgers. And they win all their conference games, and they win their conference championship game, and there's chaos happening all around they may emerge out of the MAC as the best team. We've seen Northern Illinois do it. We've seen Western Michigan do it. I think it was Western Michigan, right? It was. P.J. Fleck. Yeah, yeah. Western Michigan with P.J. Fleck. Boise State multiple times would have been in the college football playoff. UCF would have been in the playoff a couple of years ago. Houston at least once would have been in the college football playoff. Mm-hmm. Memphis, Memphis would have been on the edge that uh, three or four years ago when they went to the Cotton Bowl. I don't know if they would have gotten there or not, but they were right there. I mean, they were the highest. They were the highest ranked G five, right? Yeah, but I don't know what else they had was to have happening. Been to go- yeah, you're right. I mean, if they got to the Cotton Bowl, they had to have been the highest rated G five. Right. So, yeah, well, that's a good point. So it's doable. It's just not easy. So, yeah, Memphis would have been in the college football playoff. There you go. Bobby and Batesville says, so if someone is higher ranked in their conference than the conference champion, there isn't an argument for that. I understand that makes things easier, but I can already see some teams upset in the future. Yeah, so so here it is, Bobby. It's the six highest ranked conference champions in the college football playoff poll and then six at large spots for the next six highest-ranked teams that are not one of those six conference champions. And so winning your conference does not guarantee that you're in. That is uh, that is correct. And what you're seeing now, because the SEC is doing it, the ACC is doing it, I'm sure the Big Ten will soon, the, everybody's getting rid of divisions. Why? Because you don't want a four-loss team winning your conference championship. So all divisions are going away, and they're going to do permanent opponents. People are calling it pods. It's not pods. Ole Miss and Mississippi State are going to play each other every year forever. But they will not have the same other two permanent opponents. So they'll play each other forever, but they'll have different permanent opponents otherwise. And then a rotating. So it won't be a pod. They will play each other, but they'll have different ones. Either way, it'll just be the... Top two winning teams in all of these conferences go to the conference championship game because they don't want 
a Purdue to beat Michigan and eliminate the Big Ten from getting a bye or their auto qualifier into the playoff. They are going to get rid of that concept altogether. Yeah. There's some people that are asking, why aren't we starting this next year? And I'll give the people, and we've talked with Mark Keenum about this, there's a lot that goes into moving this contract up, and they, they felt like there was a certain amount of time they needed. They, they've got to renegotiate television contracts. They've got to renegotiate bowl contracts. There's just a lot logistically that has to happen. Now, um, uh, what was I going to say? We saw in the in the 2020 year, the COVID year, if you have to press fast forward and reschedule a bunch of stuff, it can be done. But when you're talking about all of college football, I think it's really hard to do that. They needed a little more time. And, and so, yeah, while we all wish that that was going to be the case this year, next year, but it's just not going to be. And in the in the future SEC board, you're going to have three permanents. Correct. Yeah, that's what and I said. Every, yeah, and then everything else will rotate. And we don't know who they're going to be yet. I imagine you're going to see Ole Miss and LSU also. I, I mean, just, I can't imagine taking that game away on an annual basis. Yeah, but I don't know. I mean, it's just a guess. Yeah, and I mean, we can we can guess with those and play around with them a little bit. We'll see. I think the most common thought has been Ole Miss ends up with LSU, Mississippi State, and Vanderbilt. So we'll see. Sports Talk Mississippi. More coming up. Sports Talk. Sports Talk Mississippi. To the junction, in the groove, and to the top. Sports Talk Mississippi on Super Talk Mississippi. Three permanent opponents, which will be determined somewhere in the next couple of years, obviously before Texas and Oklahoma come to the uh, to the SEC in 2025. I said for Ole Miss, most likely permanents were Mississippi State, LSU, and Vanderbilt. I do think there's a fourth team that could figure into the mix there. And, and I started to say that before the break, and say, you know, we just ran out of time. And I actually think this would be really cool. I think Arkansas is another one that could be one of Ole Miss's permanents. Hey, Dad would sign on to that because he think it's, thinks it's the wildest game in college football on a year-in, year-out basis. He, he said that a I bunch of times. I love that game. That's just What's a series that's got a lot of history that predates Ole Miss and LSU being in the or Ole Miss and Arkansas being in the SEC together. Yeah. I should say predates Arkansas being in the SEC. And that's a pretty good one on a year-in, year-out basis. Now, would you prefer Vanderbilt to Arkansas as a permanent? Sure. Yes. The answer is yes. All Never 13 had. teams in the Everybody SEC would. would like to have Vanderbilt as one of their three permanents. Not Florida. Tennessee is the only one that's locked to Vanderbilt, and then they'll figure it out from there. But they, they will lock Tennessee and Vanderbilt together. Which What's is your best guess on the Tennessee also gets locked to Alabama. Ole Miss... 
they probably would keep them with Kentucky because why not? And then either LSU or Texas A&M. You don't think Mississippi State gets linked to Alabama permanently? No, or you just because Alabama will definitely. Well, I mean, obviously that, but they are Alabama. You know, has Tennessee, and you know they have Auburn. Okay, so who's their other one? I mean, don't you think, you think Vanderbilt and, and, might and be Alabama? Well, you permanent. can't really give Alabama three. Do what? You think Vanderbilt might end up as if? Let, let's just say that. Well, Arkansas ends up with Ole Miss instead of Vanderbilt. Could you see Vanderbilt as Alabama's permanent, given that they've got Auburn and Tennessee? Maybe, but at the same time, you're Alabama, right? Technically, you're better than everybody in the conference, except for maybe Georgia. And then year in, year out, I mean, it's still Alabama. So whoever you put them with, you can say, well, you're better than them. What, what's the big deal? So you could put them with Texas if you wanted to and give yourself Alabama-Texas every year. They might try to create marquee matchups there at the very top. I mean, if you could give me Alabama-Texas, Alabama-Oklahoma, Alabama-Georgia every year, I mean, those, those are big games. I think Alabama might also get... If you made me pick, though, Alabama-LSU is probably the one they would keep, right? Because that's just been such a great game recently. Yeah, I don't think that'll be the case, though, because I think you're going to hook LSU mm. up with... LSU's going to get Ole Miss. They're going to get... A&M. Probably still stay with Arkansas. And then maybe A&M, maybe State. But we'll see. They could, keep, they could, they could get them away from Arkansas. They could go LSU, give LSU-Alabama, Ole Miss, and State. Hmm. This is fun. This is a fun happen. exercise, right? There's yeah, no, there's no wrong answers. Yeah, I mean, LSU is not going to be Alabama's third team, though. I mean, they're not going to, they're not going to well, set I mean, Alabama up with where every single year they have to play. I, I, I know, I know they're on top right now. I, I get it. Hold on, hold on. They're not going to set them up with what three teams they already play every year. They already play those three teams every year. I, I understand that, but we're we're reimagining this thing. What about Auburn? Uh, I, I, I mean, think Auburn about Auburn. Will keep Georgia. See, Auburn's the one that gets screwed because they're going to keep Georgia and, and Alabama. Alabama. They're the ones. They might get Vanderbilt because <laughs> got to give them got to give them something. This is why I thought Auburn should have been a big proponent of the the one eight uh, proposal. You could have told Auburn, like, look, if we go 3-6, you're going to get Georgia and Alabama every stinking year. No way around that. You want to just keep one of them, and you tell Georgia, we'll see you when we see you. You still play them twice every five years. Georgia will probably get, what, Florida? Auburn, Florida, and South Carolina? Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you got to give these tough games to somebody. This is what the nature of the beast. Yeah, Dan in Hattiesburg says maybe every five years they could negotiate new permanent partners. Uh, I don't think that's. I I mean, you could. I wouldn't think they would. You absolutely could. Okay. But the thing is, you're still every four years, five years, and just say, you know, hey, we 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 did something here and we we messed up. We've got imbalance. Let's let's look at at changing it. You're still playing everybody twice in a four year period, though. Regardless. And, and that's yeah. the beauty of it, right? I mean, that's the beauty of going to nine games where you've got three permanents and six rotating. You're going to play home and away everybody in the conference twice in a four-year span. Thank goodness. Yeah. It's Right now, it's, State is, is two years away, or three seasons away, from their return trip to Florida. 
They haven't been since 2010. Yeah. It's also going to be kind of cool to like that in there too. It's going to be neat to see what happens with Oklahoma and Texas, right? I mean, because I think we feel pretty confident that Texas is going to get Oklahoma and Texas A&M as two of their three permanents. Would they get Arkansas? Maybe. They just give them the old, give them the old Big Twelve Southwest Conference trio, whatever you want to call it. You know, the Arkansas permanents are they? Texas, Missouri, Ole Miss? Is it Texas, Oklahoma, Ole Miss? Yeah. I mean, Missouri's got to get somebody. Yeah. It feels like you, 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 with everybody, you know one for sure, right? You know State and Ole Miss are linked together, right? You feel pretty good that Ole Miss and LSU are going to stick together. I feel pretty good that State and Kentucky are going to stick together. And then the third one is like, I'm not sure. I'm, I, I really am just making a guess here. Yeah. State and A&M? Could be. But again, well, that's just that's just like a guess, right? I mean, just based on nothing. Well, actually, I had some inside information on that. I talked to my friend, Rock. Old Rock. Old Rock. And he was telling me about misery, Sippy. No, I'm just, I don't feel like going down that road. Yeah, Old Rock, uh, Old Rock the good egg. Yeah, but the thing is, you don't want to you don't want to give Texas A and M Mississippi State because I mean that, that's just such a difficult matchup for them. I mean they lose it so often that <laughs> that guy's gonna be in your TMs, man. You better stop. They 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 lose it so often. It's like, do you want to give them somebody that beats them as much as they do? You know, give them a break like with Texas. Hmm. That's a double shot, by the way. That's two shots. Shot at a and and Texas you got and one. Pow, pow. Well, took the, well whole, the, whole state of, the whole state of Texas down right there. Did you guys see that Germany is not advancing to the knockout stage? We did see that, yes. At least I saw it. I assumed that, that Borky saw it. You should have seen. So Japan scored a goal that sent. Frenetic endings. It was fantastic. That sent them on. And it was on a situation where a Japanese player saved a ball from going out of bounds right next to the goal, and that save went to one of his players, immediately scored a goal. So it was an instant. The save instantly became a goal. The ball looked like it was out. In soccer, it's not like football where any part of the ball just has to touch the line and it's a touchdown. In soccer, the entire ball has to get across the entire line for it to be out. And... I mean a blade of grass is the only thing hanging on to the line. And they reviewed it, which, by the way, is such a stunning indictment on football where they have computer-generated images that have exact precision of where the ball is and where the line is to determine that the ball, in fact, had not completely crossed the line by a blade of grass and the goal stood. But in football, a multi-billion dollar industry here in this country, we've got three jokers with a 10-yard long chain determining the outcome of games. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Crazy. I mean, I, I you can't even show you can't even with your hands show how close it was from going out and Germany would be fine. And yet here they are. And yet, no, there they go. Well, back back yes. home to uh, back home to Deutschland. 
Meanwhile, Dutch hate week is continuing to uh, to build, right? That's right. I never buy tulips for my wife. Never. Under any circumstances. At least not this week, right? No. I did see, see somebody make a funny joke about how uh, Greg, Berhal- Greg Berhalter needs to get on the phone with Shane Beamer to figure out how you can beat superior orange teams. Thought that was funny. Hmm. <laughs> All ties back to college football. Always. One segment left America. with you on this Thursday afternoon. Weekend is just around the corner. Championship weekend. Pac-12 championship game is going to be, I think, fun tomorrow night with Southern Cal and Utah. Sold happening. out, by the way. It did sell out. They sold every seat. Wow. Good. Good. That's so much better than watching a three-quarters empty stadium like you had in Santa Clara. Mm-hmm. Championship games are fun. We'll wrap it up with you next in the Pearl River Resort Studios. Sports Talk Mississippi. Sports. Sports Talk Mississippi. You know I love sports. On Super Talk Mississippi. Mississippi State basketball off to a 7-0 start. Started the year with a win over A&M Corpus Christi. Beat Akron and Arkansas Pine Bluff, South Dakota, Marquette, and Utah. That was two good wins. Two three-point wins down in Fort Myers at the Fort Myers tip-off. Came back home and got a win earlier this week against Omaha. Up next Saturday, they will play Mississippi Valley State. And then the Follow uh, eight days later. We'll travel to Minneapolis to uh, take on Minnesota. Try to see if there's. Um, I guess the only game that really still stands out on the non-conference schedule after that is Drake. In, yeah, the, uh, the game in Lincoln, in, uh, Nebraska, in Omaha. So oh, Lincoln, yeah. I keep getting that mixed up. Yeah, yeah. That yeah, seems unfair. Lincoln. Whole team against one guy. Yeah, no. Um, Mississippi State. Similar to Ole Miss, does not exactly ease into SEC play. No. Wednesday, December 28th, Alabama. In the hump? In the hump. Yes. Okay, that should be tip. a raucous. No excuses. Well, yeah, no students. Say, I'm going to give you excuses. The students aren't back at that point. Not even close to being back at so, that point. So uh, is an entire yeah, arena filled with tip, students? So like... I'm just saying it's also an 8 o'clock tip. A lot of your, your Jackson crowd won't come to that. Loading up the excuse wagon, Borky. That's all, that's all I hear. You I will I, give you no excuses on January 7th, though. I don't mean every seat has to have a butt in it, but that environment should be really good. You've been at, Should be good. We've heard from state fans, oh, I don't go to games because hey, it's just so predictable. They're so boring. They're so bad. You've got none of that. you got it. And 
How, how often do we hear from people, I don't watch the NBA because they don't play defense. Not true, but still we hear it. Mississippi State plays defense. Did you listen to defense. my show last night? I almost made the exact really? same voice. That's like, if you're an old school, like, I don't like the NBA. They don't play defense. This this team plays fist fights. This, it's not even basketball. It's, they're just beating you up out there. It's like, it's like the Pistons. Yeah, circa 1988. There's a team for you, buddy. Go to that game. Yeah. Make it a point to try to go. So, um, Ole Miss starting uh, off to a 6-1 start. Alcorn State, Florida Atlantic, Chattanooga, UT Martin, 4-0 to start. They went to Orlando, played in the ESPN Events Invitational over Thanksgiving. Beat Stanford, beat Siena. Lost to Oklahoma by four in the championship game. Next up for Ole Miss, uh, they go to Memphis on Saturday. Saturday night, FedEx mm. Forum, ESPN 2. If you're thinking about the postseason, need to win this game. Need to win this one. Same with State in the, in the Minnesota game. Minnesota, not very good, but getting a true road win against the Power Five, good stuff. And, and look, Ole Miss is about to play a four-game stretch against some better teams. Uh, now, obviously, Oklahoma, Stanford, Siena, those were pretty decent teams. At Memphis, Valpo at home, UCF at home, Temple at home. You can have some PTSD there. From which one, Valpo or Temple? From Valpo. Yeah. Oh, I didn't think about Temple, but Valpo is the one. Yeah. Uh, and then same same deal, jumping into SEC play. Open uh, Wednesday, December 28th, 4 o'clock in the afternoon. On Wednesday, December 28th, Ole Miss in Tennessee. And then a road trip to Bama and a road trip to Starkville and then Auburn at home. It's weird. Do we have an SEC triple header on the 28th, 4 o'clock, 6 o'clock, 8 o'clock? I guess so. Must be somewhere, right? Yeah, that's cool. Well, they'll definitely yeah. spill into each other because no college basketball game lasts <laughs> two hours anymore. Nah. Yep. January 7th, Humphrey Coliseum, Mississippi State Ole Miss. That should be a huge game and a big crowd. Uh, don't forget tomorrow, all day remote. Get started with Gallo at 6 in the morning, and then Gerard, and then Rebecca, and then Sports Talk Mississippi Farm Bureau celebrating 100 years. And uh, it's at the Mississippi Trademark, celebrating 100 years of faith, family, and Farm Bureau. Good stuff. Fun afternoon talking about this 12-team college football playoff that's on the horizon. We've also got tomorrow the start of the state championship games in the state of Mississippi. So much fun, so cool. It's all happening in Hattiesburg as, uh, what, games at 11-3-7 tomorrow, and then again at 11-3-7 on Saturday. It'll be a great couple of days of football. Cap it off tomorrow night with uh, Picayune and West Point. And then you get uh, Brandon and Starkville in the nightcap on Saturday. Thanks for being with us this afternoon in the Pearl River Resort Studios. Show brought to you in part by Genteel Apparel. Visit them online at genteelapparel.com. Genteel, the official apparel provider of Sports Talk Mississippi. Enjoy your Thursday evening at the NFL tonight with the Bills and the Patriots. We will talk to you tomorrow. Good night.
Running a business is tough. If you're struggling with HR benefits and payroll, you're not alone. Many businesses just don't have the resources to keep up. That's where MWG Employer Services comes in. We provide a full range of employer services with everything from payroll to benefits to HR services and compliance and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. We're a Mississippi-based company that can help you focus on what you do best, growing your business. Call MWG Employer Services today at 601-206-7966 or go to MWG Employer Services A Super Talk Mississippi media production.